you just tuned into the hippest way to start and grow your indie author career, learn the ins, the outs, and all the all-arounds of self-publishing with the team from D2D and their industry-influencing guests. You're listening to Self-Publishing Insiders with Draft2Digital. Well, hello, everybody. We are live. Uh, the, the computer machine has told me so. Uh, and that is ironic because the topic today is going to be AI and how it impacts the uh, the self-publishing industry and your career as a self-publishing author. And I can't think of anyone better to help us chat through that than my AI friend, Nick Thacker. Hello. Anybody? Nick. Can't think of anybody? You yeah. need to know more people, sir. That's that's what that's your... Uh... No, I'm just kidding. My social a, circle has I'm a been fine reduced. person to know. <laughs> yeah, I've so socially, I've, I've I've become something of a pariah. Um, so I don't have very many people to call on anymore for as That's experts. Fair. So, <laughs> you know, um, this is a this is a I got, I'm gonna I'm gonna confess something, and you'll back me up on this by probably by slamming me, really. Mm. Um, but challenge accepted. I uh, I have to say that I've kind of come around on the AI front after you and I had a whole um, <laughs> session with an AI that you have access to. I mean, I I still I still don't think AI is anywhere near replacing writers, right? Uh, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I know I know that uh, China has actually released the first intellectual property created solely by an AI. Um, they did that at some point over the past year. And, uh, so that, that, that might, that, I don't know, that, that, that says something. Um, I haven't read the book or anything, but it says, it says that the technology is, is kind of up there, but I was, I remained unconvinced until you and I had our little session with the AI, uh, that you're playing around with, which is, and I always get the letters mixed up. So I don't, what is it called again? GPT-3. GPT-3. And what does the yeah. GPT stand for? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. General Public Trial 3. I, I don't know. It's, Why don't um, we call it that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's probably something for it. But. <laughs> don't get mad at us. They may actually have GPT-3 monitoring us uh, right now as we speak, for all we as know. As soon as you engage its services, it follows you around the, the internet. You know? <laughs> so, but, but to be clear, to, to back up a little bit, Kevin um, – what what was it that you weren't convinced about regarding AI? I, I mean, I feel like I, I know the answer to this, but if anyone listening, like, what's what's the thing that you're not convinced that that it's going to uh, replace writers? You know what? Yeah, well, that's that's part of okay. it. That that it could ever fully pass the Turing test is what I gotcha. always okay. suspected. And um, and if you're not familiar with that that phrase, and I'm, I'm thinking most authors probably are, but the Turing test is um, sort of a, a famous historical test for artificial intelligence. If a computer can fool a human is basically what it boils down to, um, then it has passed the Turing test. And there, are, there have been a lot of not quite AI attempts. There's been a lot of sort of scripted service attempts that have come close to passing the Turing test over the past few decades. But it's only been in the past you know couple of years that suddenly we're getting true artificial intelligence that, that can carry on a conversation with a human being and go undetected. Yeah. I thought we had, I thought we had computers that could pass the Turing test. Again, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, somebody designs something and it's not out of the realm of possibility for software developers to develop software specifically to pass a Turing test. Yeah. Um, which puts it in the realm of artificial narrow intelligence, right? This, this very, very specific, 
like a, a chess solving IBM computer, for example, right. um, is very good at chess and can, can beat Kasparov, right? But um, it's not a narrow, I mean, it's not a general intelligence. It's not something that you can ask, you know, how's the weather? Um, right. But Siri and, and Alexa, the things that on my counter can, can do those things, but they couldn't play chess with me. You know, so there's, these are all examples of this narrow intelligence. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to say, we've got computers that can pass a Turing test. Um, yeah. But the, 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 the problem is, um, you know, when Alan, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking out his last name, um, Turing. <laughs> I guess it was Turing, wasn't it? Yeah. When he came up with this idea of the test, I was thinking of someone else. I was thinking, you know what, you know what I was thinking artificial of? intelligence. Now we're just challenging <laughs> actual intelligence. Just general. Uh, yeah. Um, I was I'm, thinking I'm of uh, Benjamin, Benjamin Cumberbutton because um, <laughs> I think he played him in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that this, you know, the point is, I think, man, um, I think we're there. I think as far as passing of a very limited example of a test, um, we're there. Yeah. The thing is, everybody who looks at it then goes, but wait a minute, this isn't, this isn't Skynet. Like there, there's obviously a, something missing. There's a, there's a gap. Yeah. So a computer that can solve the Turing test and, you know, a, a robot that's going to march down the street and decide to, to, you know, go get sentient and go out on its own and kill people we've got a pretty big gap there. And that's kind of where we are right now is finding and, and um, discovering algorithmic ways to produce intelligence in the box. Right. right. Um, now, all of that to say, what's fascinating to me is that the, 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 the keyword there in the box, you know, in a computer, mm-hmm. the, the more we expand computing capabilities, the more we're able to expand AI. Now that sounds very obvious, but um, we're going to get to a point very soon, I think, where, um, you know, hard drive space won't double every 18 months. Yeah. Um, RAM Moore's speeds law, won't, exactly. Moore's Law's it, it, at some point, and I mean, this is somewhere on Wikipedia, I'm sure, it, it shows the exact breakdown of when Moore's Law stops working for us. We physically can't, outside of using nano or, or quantum technology, cannot cram more chips onto a board. Um, it just doesn't work. Our teeny little fingers aren't, aren't tiny enough. Right. And so um, I think that's the point, but again, and, and, you know, I mentioned two other keywords, we're working on nano, we're working on quantum. So we're going to get to this point where um, we don't need to worry about silicone as much anymore because we have right. these other technologies that we can use. And then again, the AI advancement will continue. But anyway, that's my whole, um, my invocation here to begin. I think I'm like you, I'm just imminently fascinated by what AI is capable of today yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to put it through its paces to see if it's useful to me as an author. Um, and I think that gets into what people are going to be listening to us talk about because they're. And we already have some questions coming in. Uh, and I want <laughs> yeah, to take, take this moment uh, to, to say thank you, first of all, to everyone who's already asked questions. And we're going to get to them, I promise. Um, and uh, if you have not thought about it yet, uh, this is your cue. Go ahead and ask us anything you want in the uh, comments wherever you're watching this on YouTube, Facebook or, or uh, elsewhere. Uh, and we are, we're going to try to answer everything that comes through. Um, so today's topic is about AI and how it impacts the uh, self-publishing space and self-published author. Um, so on that note, before we get to questions, what I want to do, Nick, is talk just a minute about the experience that um, that you and I shared uh, in playing around with the with the uh, GPT three uh, AI that you have access to, um, because one of the things, because basically you you came 
You accuse me of being a curmudgeon, and I can forgive you for that because it's well, true. I'm not uh, sure I would change that uh, that perception <laughs> at this point. But <laughs> the the sort of presentation was you were you had you know kind of offered this up, and I was I came at it immediately skeptical about how useful it could be. Um, but what we ended up doing was playing around with it and plugging in a few. You know, you can ask this thing questions the same way you would any human being. Um, that's a, you know, yeah, you can type prompt. in a question and, and it treats it as a prompt and it spins from there. Uh, we did certain little things that generated things like, um, you know, I was writing a series on characterization for the blog, uh, for the DDD blog, which if you, by the way, uh, are interested, you should go to uh, draftdigital.com slash blog and you can find our blog with, with posts like this. But um, <clears throat> one of the things that we did was uh, ask it to give us a blog post on the topic of characterization. I have not used that post or anything, um, so don't go looking for it. But what it did was return a kind of listicle post. And it was, to me, uh, as a professional copywriter, um, it was fairly well written. It's, it's what I think a junior copywriter would have produced. So with yeah, just some was, editing, it was pretty good. It was useful. I mean, it was something usable, um, you know, maybe not immediately, but with a little bit of uh, minor editing. But the point is, you know, this isn't, you know, we're not asking it to be um, a good copywriter. We're asking right. it to um, essentially give, a, give us its opinion on what we were asking. That's what yeah. the prompt is, right? So it's not like yeah. this. We've seen this, but you guys have all, anyone watching has seen these AIs, you know, the little chat bots, things like that, where they're basically designed to have canned responses. Um, yeah with a little bit of, um, you know, creative flair that they can bring in. And we know that there's some downsides to that. Uh, you end up with racist chat, chat bots and things like that. Um, GPT-3 is, is very different in, in scope because it's essentially um, very uh, untrained as far as that goes. It's, it's very much just they fed it the internet, um, a, a big chunk of Reddit, things like that. And they, they said, hey... Um, Tell us, you know, it's essentially a, a finish the sentence, but do it in in multiple sentence format, you know, so finish the thought. And so that's yep. what the prompt is. So we asked it things like um, we had it uh, grab, uh, we, we put a link in and said, hey, give us a, a synopsis of this web page that we could explain to a 12 year old because okay. Kevin and I are both essentially 12 year olds. Um, and uh, and it spit back, you know, it was, a, it was a scientific paper. You remember that it was like yep. on... Um, animal husbandry or something very intricately involved in, in something that I I'm not versed in. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it spit back a pretty good, um, now this wasn't the abstract. It, didn't it, just copy paste anything. Right. It actually read the article and it, spit it, out. Yeah. Almost like an, ex, an executive statement of the article. Yes. Like it, it gave a very nice summary of the ideas. That's what was impressive to me was it wasn't just that it, you know, grabbed all the copy and boiled it down to something it 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 actually expressed the ideas of the article which is it did. was profound it did. and so i've i've used things like uh i've i've done things with it where um i want a list so i will uh, so i've done this before and actually i mean i just pulled it up here um i can just read some of these to you know to you guys um we, uh, real quick though we, um, I yeah pop something up there you go uh this is from leroy who says that gpt stands for generative pre-trained transformer because Leroy is clearly an artificial intelligence uh, himself, is what that means. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> clearly, Leroy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Leroy. We really appreciate it. <laughs> um, you know, Kevin and I were on there. Uh, we did a call. We're just we're kind of playing with it, and you know, we've started this 
podcast on the side that um, is about just the kind of things that we re- we research for fun as authors that we throw into our fiction um, called you know stuff that's real, right? And and so the idea with the podcast is it's things that are real that's also we think are pretty cool that we're researching. Um, anyway, the point is uh, we dumped into the uh, the GPT three playground is what they call it. And we've said, I don't remember the exact prompt I gave it, but it was effectively, you know, I knew I wanted a list, like, you know, one, two, three, four, five down the page um, of ideas of things that are either scientifically, historically, technology, like they're, they're real things that exist that would make good podcast subjects. Yeah. Um, and that was effectively the one sentence prompt. And then I gave it two examples that we'd already used uh, on, on the show, uh, Geronimo, the Native American man, uh, the Fermi paradox. And then I think I threw in the third one, the, the faces and pyramids in Antarctica that you talked about, Kevin. Um, and then I just put four, period. So I'm telling it, I want a list, you know, and then leaving it hanging. And it filled in 18. Um, now I have a list of 18. So it filled in uh, 14 more prompts for us. And the fourth one, for example, it says the giant stone heads on Easter Island, which may have taken hundreds of years to build. Yeah. Number five, a giant elaborately decorated oasis in the middle of the Arabian desert. The stone heads of Bekeshov in Siberia. Uh, I mean, and it's, it's, these are real things. Like these aren't, right. it's not taking keywords and smashing them together in a way that sounds cool, but doesn't actually exist. Yeah. It's got the anti-Kythera mechanism, the ancient Greek scientific instrument that some believe was used to predict eclipse. So it's grabbing this stuff and it's not plagiarizing either. You know, it's not just ripping from Wikipedia or whatever. No. It's understanding what we want. Um, and it's giving us an actual usable list. I mean, this is something, you know, obviously we're not going to publish this yeah. list. We're going to use it as prompts. So this is we can uh, use it immediately. It's, it's essentially performing the function of like a virtual research assistant, um, which I would love. I, that's why I, immediately after we did our session, I went and applied to see if I can get into the, the like beta program beta, for this yeah. thing. Cause um, that, that alone would be very useful to me uh, and cut down on a lot of my research time so that I can turn out more novels faster. Uh, right. That's very impressive. Um, we have a question. I, I think you, yeah, I think you actually may there. know more about this one than I do, but I have looked into it. Um, so Mira, I believe that's how I pronounce your name, Mira. If it, it's not, I apologize. She's coming to us from YouTube. Uh, what do you think about AI versus interact? the interactive stories I'm seeing coming out, uh, out about like chatables via the Echo with Amazon? And Chatables, uh, I know, is a is a. I think it actually is AI driven, uh, but it's it's kind of like a uh, interactive, almost like a choose your own adventure kind of AI story, <laughs> right? Have you heard yeah, of it? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I've played with them a little bit. Yeah, they're um, they're a bit AI driven. Obviously, these um, because they, it's an Amazon brand type thing. Um, going through the Echo and all that, there's obviously some limitations, some boundaries put on this AI. Um, so it's highly in, in, in the realm of a narrow AI. Um, you know, if you think about it in another, another way, another sense, um, you can do this without AI. Um, yeah. You can have a, a long list of story prompts and a long list of um, story pieces that fit together and that are interactive. And uh, we already know that um, the Echoes, the Alexa devices can hear people's voices and interpret and parse English, at least, and, and you know, other languages. And so we don't really need an AI to put this together. The fact that they're using an AI for some of this stuff is really neat. Yeah. Um, but this, this to me is um, just, again, a very much a, an, an artificial narrow until I don't think I talked about that, but the, you know, the, you have three basically different gradations of artificial intelligence, generally mm-hmm. ironic huh? pun intended um, that most, most of us are, are using to describe 
AI. And the first one, the kind of the baby version is artificial narrow intelligence, like we've talked about. Right. Um, and then you move into more of an artificial general intelligence, which is where GPT-3 is is trying to go. Um, and it's still a bit limited. It's, it's a bit like talking to a four-year-old sometimes. Um, you may get some really interesting things out of it, but it might not be the uh, highly academic conversation that you think you might want to have. Um, but once we get to that point where you don't really know you're talking to this this AI thing, you're just having a conversation and it's understanding, just like Kevin and I know, you know, okay, he, it's his turn to talk and then I'm going to talk and then there's a question. We're going to, that's where the artificial narrow and or the artificial general intelligence is. I think humans are pretty much considered artificial general intelligence, maybe not artificial. Um, and then you move to the... To the Skynets, you know, to the uh, to the Ender's yeah. Ender's uh, game kind of uh, intelligences, and these are the artificial super intelligences where um, they are basically able to learn on their own. They're able to, um, if you connect it into this is the the, the sci-fi um, theme, right? If you plug the the computer into the wall and give it access to the internet, um, the uh, what what we call the singularity will happen, yeah. where it will be learning so quickly and expanding on itself and improving itself so fast that humans cannot possibly keep up and it will suck up all the computing resources and become Skynet and humans will just be meat for its, you know, so, yeah. and, and that's where, obviously where we get into the sci-fi realm batteries and the fun for stuff, its uh, flying robot <laughs> fleet. Uh, right. And so that's, that, those are the three different, the three different layers here that we're kind of talking about. We're, we're right at the cusp of artificial general, depending on who you ask. I, that's my yeah. opinion, but um, we're not I, there and yet, I, and we're I far away from singularity. That's, <laughs> that's where it will stay for quite a while. I don't think. I think that so too, because again, you're talking thing. about computing, right? You're talking about computing yeah. power. Like, even if an artificial intelligence could be plugged into the wall and, and suck up all the information in the internet, how can it possibly process that with a single CPU? Or even you know, with so Bitcoin miners got a bunch of GPUs sitting next to it. even that is right. not enough. Even the supercomputers that China's building, that we're yeah. building, that you know, it's just not <clears> enough yet. So uh, swinging this back around to um, how this relates to authors in particular, this is yes. a good question, yeah. actually. Sean on YouTube asks, uh, how about AI for yeah. audiobooks? Um, and I have to say, this, this was a thing, and this is something that is being explored, but I, uh, recently there have been developments that have shifted the game a little. And what I think is going to happen is we're, we're seeing um, – recently there was an article – uh, and I don't remember where it appeared. Maybe, maybe Alyssa or somebody can track it. I'm not going to put that on Alyssa. Never mind. Uh, but it was an article about how in the gaming world they're using AI audio to generate um, character dialogue. So you basically you get to a point where you're interacting with these characters on screen, and their all of their dialogue is being generated dynamically by the AI. Uh, where I think that's going to be important is um, in generating, uh, it'll work the same way that, that technology will eventually come back to, um, actually, no, I, I've, I've framed this entirely the wrong way. That is one aspect of it. The other aspect of it was they can provide the script and the AI voice could read it naturally, which, which is much more relevant to this question. So that technology already exists. There was, uh, kind of a little farcical, uh, parody site that uh, had Jordan Peterson's voice and they would plug in all kinds of weird stuff for him to say. Uh, you know, the technology to, to mimic someone's voice and make it sound very natural is already here. So I think it's right now we're at a point where that the barrier to that being in full use 
really comes down to the legality of certain things, the intellectual property and that sort of thing, but also the competition <laughs> with like the Screen Actors Guild and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, two things on that. Uh, and Alyssa already just dropped the link in to, to both the things. The thing you did mentioned, um, Venture Beats article, and then the thing I was going to talk about, which I've, I've been playing with a little bit, um, Amazon uh, Web uh, Cloud, their web services division, has um, a service called Amazon Poly. And this is a um, an AI neural intelligence uh, voice, uh, text-to-voice thing, right? Um, and it's it's really, really, really good. It's not there yet. You know, it's not quite ready yet for prime time, but it's really, really, really good. Um, yeah. It's got some built-in voices, just like, you know, the, if anyone's got a Mac, you know, you can have Alex read stuff. Windows has the same version. I don't know what it's called. Um, but this is like a much better version of that, where you can actually go in and um, and tell it <clears throat> not just what to say, um, and this is where it needs to improve a little bit, right? It can't automatically, I mean, it can, but it's not, it's not great yet. Um, it's not quite ready to completely interpret the uh, tone of dialogue, for example. Um, it doesn't understand sarcasm out of the box yet, you know? And so you can go in and program some of these inflection points, but if you're going to be spending time doing that for an entire audiobook that's 10 hours long or 14 hours long, um, you know, you'd be better off just paying somebody to read the audiobook, paying a human. Yeah. The second thing I was going to say is um, uh, I have been playing with a service and I can link to it. I don't remember the name of the company and um, they weren't very good yet. So I don't want to mention it, you know, but but they're on the right track. And this company is um, uh, doing the same thing Amazon Polly, what I just described is doing. But they're also this is what I was looking for. Um, they are also allowing you to go in. And I, so I've done this. I've sat down and you read 50 paragraphs of text that, that they show up on the screen um, and it automatically records and stops the recording. And then it processes your own voice, your actual human voice, um, and tries to make one of these neural uh, voices um, that's based on your voice. And so I was really yeah. pumped about it because this is exactly the question I wanted to get because this is where I want to see audiobook um, stuff go. Yeah, for me as an author personally. Now I'm, I, I love narrators. I'm not saying I don't like you narrators, but um, for me as an author, how cool would it be to just finish my manuscript and have an audiobook popped out? An well, hour later? And, and what that does is it, it's the same thing that uh, most indie publishers uh, sort of fall back on is it lets you own that process without exactly. necessarily having to hire outside. So right. I, as a narrator, uh, you know, I have, I like my voice and I do mm -hmm. some narration and then, you know, I could do that, but it's so time consuming to do an entire book where I was hopeful was that one of these services would allow me to do the book and then I can listen to that production. And then because it's my voice, when I come to a part that they've flubbed or whatever, I can just record that part myself and exactly. that would cut down It'll the time seamless. of recording. Right. Right. So, Right. And I mean, again, because this is AI and the way this guy, this works, technologically speaking, is there's um, it, it's similar to quantum computing in, in, a, in a very small sense, which is um, everything that would happen in the box with this AI, with this neural net is um, it's going to be given like a, a, a grade of quality, a quality score, if you will, like a, yeah. a margin of error. Like, oh, well, this is a 95 percent margin of error, which means this sentence probably isn't going to sound as good. Yeah. And so just by stripping away some of the some of the the, the UI or the UX there, we'll be able to get potentially get in um, and, and see, okay, well, this is one section of the book, just like Kevin's talking about, um, where I need to re-record this, this paragraph or this chapter because it's flagged it as potentially not sounding very good. So yeah. it can save us even more time by just saying, okay, well, all the stuff that's not flagged at all is going to sound exactly like me because it's my voice, all that. Um, and I don't have to waste time going through that. 
Um, you know, so, I mean, yeah, this is, this is really exciting to me as an author, because I think um, we're already getting to the point where we've got some artificial narrow intelligence doing editing by way of things like Grammarly pro writing aid. Um, you know, there's, there's other AI things on the market that are coming out um, that's going to help us process our manuscripts and get better at the, the language part. Right. Um, and then we are very, very close to being able to have, if, even if not our own voice, which is, again, I tried this service out and it, I'll just be, I mean, it was just really bad. It just didn't sound anything like a human being at all. Certainly yeah. didn't sound like me. It was cool I, that they're working on it though. But I've it's heard not some that are pretty good, but I, uh, but they do have other voices. Yeah. yeah That's what I was yeah. going to say is they've, they've got, you know, their own branded voice that, um, you know, you're <clears throat> free to use and you got to pay them to, to use the, um, sorry, you're not free to use it. You're free to, um, use it for an audiobook, for example, yeah. if you wanted to go that route. Um, you would just pay for the time spent um, recording, things like that. I think it's only a so, matter of time before cool AI. It, it is only, that, that's my point is it's only a matter of time, right? I mean, we're getting right. there very fast. So so uh, Leroy had a, a question that I think is interesting. Uh, on the list of topics, meaning that, that when we had it generate our, our list of blog topics or uh, podcast topics, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Did it give you an idea of the number of hits you would likely get from the subjects? And it did not, but we didn't ask it for that. What, Correct. So if he's going in like an SEO from an SEO standpoint, that's what I'm you know, searching for optimization. Yeah. That's what I'm getting. Um, no, but um, I, you know, I haven't tested anything like that, but because it's a very general um, intelligence, it's something that it's just an open prompt. Right. Um, I don't see why I wouldn't be able to craft a, a prompt and, and try that's to get it to, to zero in on yeah. some of that. I think you, you could know. potentially ask it to uh, identify topics and then rank them. I think right. you could you could actually do that. Have them rank those topics in order of what in 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 that relating that back to the author world, you could do the same thing for keyword research. You could actually yes. have the AI go and find all the top sellers in in the category of book that you're producing and have it produce for you a list of the top ranking keywords. Well, okay, uh, so there's a caveat though with all this. We're talking about you know let's say uh, like Amazon keywords. If we're just yeah. going to have an AI spit out a list of ranked keywords by order of how much they're searched for. Don't forget, you know, in using something like this, um, it's got to have access to that data, which means it's got to be public knowledge. That's it, it's already been fed that knowledge in, in right. this sense because they don't want to create Skynet over here at Open Open AI. Right. Um, so you know, and we're not in any danger of getting there right now, but um, they're feeding it a, a selected body of of information and. That, you know, like I said, I mentioned Reddit, um, there's other websites they've given it, Wikipedia, that kind of stuff. Um, that information, it may not actually be there. It may not be in its database. Um, and, you know, keyword tools like, uh, you know, my friend uh, Dave Chesson is a friend of ours, Kevin, you know, he's got yeah. Kindlepreneur, he's got a keyword tool. That's that's proprietary software that um, this AI would not have access to. So his Dave's data over there is great, but it's not like this AI can just go steal that and then... Right. It's us, not you know, gonna, so it's got to have the data source somewhere. Right, out there, it's you know? not going to necessarily replace software like that. You're going to be better off using that because it's that software is fine tuned specifically for that purpose. But and so I just having, mean if you were to give it a prompt, right, it may not know where to find that information. It may right. give us a list that's in order, but, but it's, it, it could, could just be a guess. You know, is give you a list of keywords that you could then plug in uh, and try out on on uh, Publisher Rocket or absolutely, like it. Yeah, and then absolutely. that puts you uh, you know quite a bit ahead because part of the part of the process with Publisher Rocket is for you to bring in some keywords of your mm -hmm. own to test out. So, um, but what, I have uh, used this thing for um, coming up with with ideas for books. You know, Kevin yeah. and I write. You know, we write in this same genre, a, this action adventure. 
<laughs> it, it, I, I wrote one sentence um, yeah. and it, it picked up from that one. And I, I'm trying to find it now. I'll, I'll, I'll dig it up. But um, it, in that one sentence, it, um, it picked up that I was writing a book description. Yeah. Um, and then it continued with an actual synopsis that didn't exist. This isn't yeah. something that it plagiarized. Yeah, it didn't grab it from anywhere. Yeah, didn't grab it from anywhere. And it, it gave me an idea for a book. And I, I read I, that and thought, you know, this is not bad. This is actually really good. There were some things I would change. The, one of the things I noticed about it was that it 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 goes to if like if you say write a book description up to two hundred words, it'll get up to around two hundred words, but it doesn't necessarily finish. Like it doesn't know how to close the loop, basically. Right. right. So it just stops. So you couldn't necessarily depend on this thing to just generate that stuff for you whole form. Uh, but uh, as a sort of assistive tool, I mean that, that's profoundly useful and the ideas were the idea was kind of good like i i would just develop it a little um mm -hmm. do you look yeah, for that close. we have a question this one comes in for our, from ddd's own Alyssa. uh weren't people mad when they got duped by google's ai voice when it was booking appointments for people <laughs> and that and if you don't know what she's referring to uh when google released it's uh, and i forget what they call it is it google I don't remember what, what the name of the service is yeah, supposed to be, that. but um, they did a sort of test when they announced it live and they had it do things like call a hair salon and book an appointment. Um, and it, the voice was so perfect and was uh, the rea the responses. I mean, it right down to like the little audible cues you get from people when you're talking on the phone, like, you know, <laughs> you know, little things like that. And mm -hmm. it was so that, natural yeah, yeah. sounding that it was, um, kind of it was sort of uncanny divide territory right so um i i'm sure people may have gotten mad about that i don't remember hearing like a may come on let's response. let's not pretend like people don't get mad about literally whatever they want to get mad about it's true people are going to uh, get mad about stuff but technology yeah, is going to and advance I think and you know they cobbled the software a little after that um with like things like hi i'm a robot and i'm going to ask you for an appointment and things like that uh which i find kind of irritating because to me, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't think we should have to call that out. In the who cares if you're talking to a, an AI? People but, do. I found the 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 synopsis real quick. If you wanted to hear it, yeah, let's hear it's it. good. It's good. So okay, everyone. Um, I I fed into the prompt, and and I'm uh, you have to just trust me here. I'm I'm reading verbatim what it spit back out. Um, all I fed into the prompt was National Treasure meets Indiana Jones. Now that's kind of a, a, a I don't know what to call it, but a dichotomy, I guess, that I've used um, for things like Facebook ads or whatever to describe my book, um, books in the past. So I just thought that'd be fun. Let's like, see if it knows that I'm describing a book or a movie or whatever. Um, and this is this is how it finished it. National Treasure meets Indiana Jones in this thrilling new series for young readers. High speed chases, cryptic clues, mystical adventure, the most valuable book in the world has been stolen from the Library of Alexandria. What was the book known only as the Codex? And why was it so important? 2,000 years later, the answers lie hidden in the ancient city of Alexandria, and the only people who might be able to retrieve the Codex and solve its secrets are three teens from the year 2016. Kate, Michael, and Sarah, it, it gives us names for these teens, arrive in Alexandria, Egypt, and are soon in over their heads. They discover that the Codex holds the key to all of the world's ancient wisdom, and that everyone from the Italian mob to the CIA are after it. To survive, they'll have to pass ancient trials and unlock the secrets of the Codex, but time is running out and the stakes are high. The fate of human knowledge and the fate of the world. The first book in a thrilling new trilogy. Now it's got me writing a trilogy, by yeah. the way. 
from the author of the best-selling commit me to a trilogy okay guy i'm already the author of the the best-selling guardians of the flame series so i that, that may be a real book i looked up i tried to copy paste uh, different versions of this to see if it was just getting a, a book series um yeah. and then just instead so it didn't plagiarize just kind of rewarding it in, on its own um but it it's as far as i can tell it's not now somebody out there who reads young adult um may that that may be actually be a book out there i don't know yeah but i thought that was utterly did stunning go, did, did you say you googled that guardians of the flame i, I did I, well the guardians of flame one might be i think that was a book but it's not this book um, yeah, so, so it just sort of grabs different pieces and then puts it together but it this is a full and finished synopsis and it yeah. if assuming it doesn't exist already could be written just from that yeah yeah I do like how it committed you to not just a trilogy, but an existing trilogy. <laughs> now you have to go back and write. Now I have to go find it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the thing, uh, the, what I found interesting, so from an author's standpoint, um, so we've already covered that it, it could be a sort of virtual research assistant, which I think is is probably one of its more profound uses. Um, mm -hmm. The idea of AI voice technology allowing you to program your voice in or the um, the licensed voice of a, of a contributor uh, and be able to knock out your audiobook all under your own steam. That is intriguing uh, from the perspective of cost for the author because, you know, presumably that would cost a lot less than hiring someone to do the work. I don't want to put narrators out of business, but I mean, come on, that that's hard to resist, you know? Um, exactly. Yeah. Other ways we can't that, look at it that way. We can't look at it as we have to fight against this because it's going to put people out of business. Um, that is admirable. As, yeah. How we, do we? We have to recognize that it's going to happen, whether yeah, or not we, we fight against it. So how do we leverage this as a tool rather than seeing right. it as something to be afraid of as, or an enemy? Yeah. To, to fight um, that battle really looks like how do we get narrators to do something different that AI can't quite cover yet? Right. You know, that's that's sort of the because this is this is happening. This is just going. It's going to happen. It's going to continue happening. Yeah, and it's going to evolve. Um, mm -hmm. I think, uh, what, one of the purposes I would like to try to put this thing to is if I can, if, I don't know, you may, you'll, you may know the answer to this. Can you feed this thing, uh, material for it to draw from? So if not I, yet, not okay. the playground version, um, okay. they have an API and, you know, they're making it more and more open. It's called open AI is the company. If, if the, if the material were on the internet already, it could do it. Well, yeah, so there's no mechanism they've allowed for us to do that in the playground. Um, they've limited it. So it's actually, well, you, it's, you're just... You gave it a URL and it went and summarized an article. Correct. So I, I suppose that if you said, here's the book in HTML format on this web page, completely written out, you know, yeah. go read that. And then um, what, what I guess what I was kind of uh, interpreting your question as, I, I think where we're, and this is absolutely possible, they just don't give it to us yet, Um to literally feed it our books, you know, to, to say, here's That's the files, here's yeah. all the books that I've got. I right. need you to build me a Nick Thacker sounding prose library. And then I want you to spit out this synopsis in, in as, I, as I would have written it. As, as cool as, yes, that is, that is one of the things I was thinking. The other direction I was going with it was, you know, I, for one, like I've got 50 some odd books out there. There's, there's tw tw about 14 books in the Kotler series alone. And what I could really use is somebody to go through and find the character arcs, you yes. know, and yeah. give me a yeah. summary of the book, the character, build the character history. You know, if I could feed that stuff into that AI and get that, that's, and I think part of what we're trying to do in this episode is speculate about how 
what the future is going to look like and how AI will assist the author instead of the very feared uh, replace the author. Um, how does how do we get it to sort of a hybrid relationship with AI to help right. enhance the books? And that that is one way that I see that happening. What do you can you think of anything? Uh, along oh, those man, lines. absolutely. Yeah, I've got a whole list of things that I've I've been keeping over the years of of ways that AI is going to help me. Uh, I'm already committed. I'm like, it's not if, it's when they're yeah. going to be be ready to help me. This this stuff. I will say this. I uh, and maybe this is wishful thinking, but I think um, human creativity is sort of the last bastion of intelligence. Yeah. Um. You know, and the, you can argue with that. I mean, there's definitely some things. You know, obviously, um, I'm being pretty vague, so there may be some more specific ways of saying it, but. I'm not worried about um, the AI all of a sudden being able to just write all their books for us and then authors don't have a job. I, I do think that's getting closer to the realm of artificial superintelligence and we might get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might be something you know we can talk about 20 years from now or 10 years from now. But the point is right now as it exists and as the, the direction we're going, I think I'm still safe as the creative um, right. and I can come alongside something like this AI once it's a little more developed and um, and have it become a working partner. In some ways I see that happening are things like advertising. And I don't just mean, you know, Facebook ads, Amazon ads, sorry. <laughs> Gotta love dogs. Um, I, I think that means something like, um, you know, we're in a, we're in a world now, uh, a very connected world, I think anyone would, would say. And um, in modern society, at least, you're getting bombarded with advertising. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes ads, right? We all say we hate ads, but I think the truth is we hate ads that aren't targeted very well to us. Um, right. And so I imagine a world where um, we sit down on the subway to get to work and the subway ad that's in front of us uh, interfaces with us somehow. And the AI that it's running the ad network knows that um, who it knows who we are. It recognizes us, right? We're already there in places yeah. like China. Um, it knows who we are. It knows what we've done. It knows our habits. It knows where we're going. It knows that we've just finished a project um, at work and we need some, you know, some reading material. And then it's going to advertise a book to us. Um, and, you know, we're going to, I don't know, click our tongue or something and it's going to download into our brains and we'll, we'll read it. Right. Um, but just a, a better, <laughs> a better much advertising. better than the rectal path <laughs> I was afraid they would take. With that technology. Um, I'm, not, I'm not limiting them. You know, it, it's <laughs> the AI can do whatever the AI wants to do. But ways of, of connecting no, the ways we're receiving marketing information is going to vastly improve. Um, yeah. I, I always make the joke that like when I'm watching TV, it's been years since I've watched like cable television with commercials and all that. But I always made the joke that like, I don't care about commercials. I just wish they weren't advertising things to me that I'll never buy. Right. I'm not really into women's razors. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to buy that stuff. Um, but you show me uh, a commercial about an adult Nerf gun and I'm on Amazon immediately. Right. Yeah. So if you can figure out who I am as, as a, as a person and then personalize the advertising to me. Um, and the only way to do that, in my opinion, is, is with an algorithm. It's with AI. It's with a neural net. Um, it's not yeah. something that individual humans can do. Um, here's yeah, one real quick. talking uh, about, um, the idea of taking the existing sort of online model where they use cookies and things like that and tailor advertising to you, to you based on your history and then right. applying that to advertising worldwide in the in, in, IRL, I guess, uh, would be mm-hmm. the, in the idea. Yeah. <laughs> Here's one um, real quick. Um, I know I've been okay, talking a lot. We got, a, just we got really... some more questions I want to pop up too. So cool. This will be short. I'm just really excited about this. Um, Anyone who knows me knows that I started as a musician. I'm still a musician. Um, I do a lot of music stuff for church and all that, but um, I have a music degree. And so I've been following the music industry and I mm-hmm. have said this before, and I'm going to preach about it until I die. The, the, the author industry, 
the especially the indie community follows the music industry about 10 or 15 years behind. Right. Um, we are all excited that Kindle was a thing in 2010, you know, whenever it started becoming a big thing. That was 10 years after the iTunes Apple Store kind of big became a thing, right? right. So in a, in a very limited, um, shortened way, um, what, what's happening right now in the music industry, SoundCloud um, is, is actually changing the way they're paying artists from a pool system where all of the money that SoundCloud gets gets split up among all of the uh, streams and whoever has the most streams gets the most money to a user centric model where if I am a SoundCloud user, I pay $10 a month to SoundCloud. But then if I only listen to my favorite band need to breathe, shout out to, uh, to Seth um, and uh, on those guys, um, then all of my $10 goes to need to breathe. Yeah. With this, this is incredible because this is what we all want as musicians. This is what we all want as listeners. Yeah. Um, but the reason we can't do it, you know, Spotify um, has come out and said we can't do it. It's too it's too hard for accounting, for computing yeah. power. It's too right. hard to for we we don't can't hire enough human beings to be able to do this. Right. AI can do that. AI right. can handle that situation. Right. Um, we write some software. We let the uh, the neural net do its thing, and it spits out how much money everybody's paid, and it does the transactions for us. I'm predicting that Kindle. Uh, and potentially maybe it's another store, but I'm using Kindle as kind of the 800 pound gorilla in the room um, is going to start paying authors in a, in a reader centric model. So if you're reading Kindle unlimited $10 a month and all you read is Kevin Tumlinson, then that $10 goes to Kevin Tumlinson mm -hmm. um, rather than what it is now, which is the pool model where all of your $10 goes into their big pool. And then their millions of dollars get split up among um, whoever has you know the most page reads and they get the bonuses and all that. So, Right. Let that percolate in everyone's minds. It's a little I do I do like the part where the ten dollars went to Kevin Tomlinson. Um I, I want the millions of dollars to go. We to have you. this comment. It's a question. It's a question from Tom on uh, YouTube. He says, So and this is very meta. This is a meta question. <laughs> so I can get AI to summarize my book about AI merging with humans to present to sellers AI to recommend to humans who are entrusting AI suggestions. I'm in my element. <laughs> Absolutely. That's true, though. Uh, as convoluted as that that question was, um, this is this is the sort of bag it's that this is going to open. Like there yeah. are all these um, all these things that AI is going to be able to do for the author. We're only sort of scratching the surface of it. I, I and right now everything I can think of is is almost all marketing driven or. Right. Like we said, doing the uh, the uh, the uh, book description or generating the idea or something like that. I mean, you know, for a lot of authors, I think just generating a book description of the book before you write it would would probably right. benefit them a great deal. You can and also it have it generate the, uh, a, an outline. The blurbs, right? you know, the blurbs or the the, blurbs. the, the book description on Amazon. Um, you know, this is really it, it's a like you said, it's very meta. But and think of it this way: like we're designing um, or we're asking AI to design uh, things for us, for human consumption. Yeah. We're also designing uh, human things for AI consumption. Um, and obviously in the past, humans have designed for human consumption. This is talking about AI designing for AI consumption. This is yeah. talking about non-player characters entertaining each other in the yeah. book world, right? So this AI wrote this book series and this AI is reading this book series. And we as humans are watching going, wait, okay, that's creepy. But think about it this way, like Pixar, is all computer generated graphics. Why couldn't an AI design and write an entire movie that is then generated 
um, for human consumption that we right. want. And OpenAI is, is digging into this. If you guys want to search around a little bit, their website has, they don't allow access to this yet, but yeah. they've got examples of their AI. Again, this is GPT-3, but a different kind of putting it in a different box over here. Um, yeah. Doing some creative things like art, doing some creative things like music. And it's yep. as a musician, I'm fast. I'm, this is it's good stuff. Yep. I'll just go ahead and say it's good music. It understands form and structure and how to put sounds together. Well, and, and, and you know, okay. So yeah. here's here's where I think though um, that it's going. So now it can generate that sort of thing. It it could generate music. It could generate deep fake films, animated films. Right. You know right. that that's in the realm of possibility now. Where I think it's going is as AI becomes more intelligent and our use of it becomes more uh, sort of natural. Um, we'll be able to do things like, you know, I'm sitting at home and I want to watch a film on a certain theme. I can say, you know, hey, Siri, uh, generate uh, up. Oh, sorry, Siri. I, I should know better than to do that. <laughs> uh, you know, create a create a movie in the style of, I don't know, Steven Spielberg. Uh, that's about this topic. And then exactly. partway through the yeah. movie, I can say, look, let's change this, you know, add a new character. And, you know, right. I, it becomes right. more like a holodeck experience, you know, for the, to put I want more John track. Williams music, not Hans Zimmer music, you know, exactly. it's ready to go. Yeah. Right. Or, or the, uh, the flip side of that is the film production community itself has an AI more advanced than that. And they're directing it as they go. So right. Spielberg is saying, stop, add another dinosaur this time with wings. And uh, and then go. And then the AI unfolds the story uh, and the human is basically just directing. Um, I, right. I, I, I see that as being a very real possibility, which means the books would be generated the same way. So there's I still think the human created books probably because would it's be simpler. First. It's going to be it books first, right? It's going to go. be the right. ultimate choose your, choose your own adventure. You're going to have an author who um, is partnering with an AI yeah. Um, and I'll get to the obvious question here in a second, but the, you know, an author who's partnering with an AI um, who comes up with a framework, right? Um, yep. who's, instead of a, 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 a template or a blueprint, it's more of a framework that right. is loose, but has some boundaries. And those are set by the author, the fantasy you know, writer gets to create the world and gets to explain the rules of magic in that universe. Um, and then the AI gets to create the book, but eventually readers will be able to interact with that book in different ways. Well, they'll say, you know what? I don't actually like this character. I think what, can we rewrite this so that this character dies instead of this character? Right. Um, and let's see what, how that spins it. Right. The obvious question that we're getting to is, will we get to the point where AI uh, is the owning, the owner of intellectual copyright and that, the intellectual properties, question. right? And so will I own that book as the, the author or will the AI who actually wrote the book, based on my framework own that right you know or will i own the ai and we get to and that that's a whole other <laughs> that's the can of worms that we're we're currently opening up and you know there aren't any yeah. answers because this is the first time in history we've had an opportunity like this right. so um in so we're we're at the end so we're going to go ahead and wrap up but just as in summary um the ways in which ai can affect the the publishing industry and authors in particular are innumerable and profound uh, we're not going to know uh, all of the ways that it, that this can go until we start really digging in and experimenting with it. But just as it is right now, I could see it as a very useful tool. Do you want to throw in any last tidbit of uh, knowledge or wisdom before we wrap up? Um, you know, I feel like we're we're talking about a lot of things that uh, are potentially scary things. If you know, yeah. because it's fear of the unknown, and, and humans are, if anything, they're we're good at being afraid of things we don't understand. Um, 
guys, don't be scared. This is something that um, is inevitable. Uh, so it's one of those stoic, you know, hey, it's going to happen. So don't worry. Don't be scared about it. Um, don't have to be on the cusp of anything here. You don't have to like, you know, I'm not telling everybody to just go be on the bleeding edge of AI, but um, pay attention because there's some ways that that this can really benefit our author careers, you know, and um, by pushing against it or by not wanting to have an AI reader audiobook um, isn't going to prevent the AI um, right. network from being able to do that. So, so we're pushing it against it is that we're being curmudgeons by doing that. Right. So yeah. um, accept it, embrace it, um, understand be it. Be a Nick. Don't be a Kevin. Don't be a, yeah. Be a Nick. Don't be a Kevin. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, this, this stuff is exciting. It's definitely scary because of the things it's, it's capable of, but uh, just remember, I think creativity is the last bastion of um, human intelligence, right. That that's going to be sacred to us for a long time. I think. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I that's, I agree. That's, easy. <laughs> All right, everybody. So thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube at youtube.com slash draft digital. Uh, you can also subscribe to us here on Facebook. Uh, I say here on Facebook, you're either watching on YouTube or Facebook. You can subscribe to us on both facebook.com slash draft digital and make sure that you are sliding on over to selfpublishinginsiders.com where you can follow the uh, you can find all the previously recorded uh, episodes of this show uh, the self publishing insiders podcast complete with transcripts uh, and um, a whole bunch of other goodies as well and we're 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 furiously building behind the scenes so that we can make that an even more amazing experience for you so thank you so much for tuning in uh, and, uh, I think that's going to wrap us up for this time. Um, thank you, Nick, for, uh, sitting in and uh, chatting with us about AI. You are Thanks for having uh, me, a very convincing AI yourself, sir. Talk thank you. you. Thank you. That's good that my deep fake worked. <laughs> Just <laughs> two right. Kevin's talking to you today. Two Kevin's talking. <laughs> all right. Take care, everybody. We'll see you all next time. See you later. That's it for this week's self-publishing insiders with draft to digital. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with your will-be author friends. And start, build, and grow your own self-publishing career right now at draft2digital.com.